0: The Christian Holiday Epiphany is on January 6th this year, so it's still appropriate to play Christmas music. We'll look back on 2022 on this week's Corey Truax Show. Angels we have- Christian calendar, we celebrate something called Epiphany, recognizing the Magi or the wise men who came to visit Jesus, whenever that was, after his birth and their declaration that he's definitely the one from those ancient scriptures uh, that that all of the signs were pointing to. For them, it was a star, and that is technically the end of the Christmas season for the Christian calendar before we start looking on forward towards Palm Sunday and Easter, which, by the way, is coming up on you really quick, right? It's like 14 weeks away from that next big holiday. So if you still have your Christmas stuff up, that's totally appropriate. And if you are still playing Christmas music and you don't want to let go of the season, also totally appropriate, you have theological backing for your waiting until early January to start getting out of the Christmas season. Welcome to the True Act Show on his Radio Talk and wherever you find podcasts. It is the final episode of 2022. We are going to look back on the year that was hopefully a little differently than everyone else does, and maybe look forward to what might be coming in 2023. Amongst other things, I get to serve as the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets at 1030 on Sunday mornings in Greenville, South Carolina, and you're invited. If you're new to the area looking for a church or you have just been outside of the body for a while, you're welcome. We'd love to have you. This is that old uh, Matt Chandler example. There is there is no such thing as you being a big fan of me and then, on a personal level. Like I'm not talking of the show, but on a personal level, friends, but then insulting my wife for saying that uh, you don't have any need uh, of her. Well, that's how it is with the church. If you've been without the church for a while, just doing your own thing with Jesus, you don't get Jesus and then reject his bride. The two come together, and so we'd love to have you out. And if you're not close to Greenville, find a local church. That's a not just a good way to start the year. I was about to make a qualitative argument. It's a good thing. It's a commanded thing for the b- believer, uh, so let's, uh, and it's also the the hope of the world. If we want to make any changes, it's probably going to come through the local church doing its work. So uh, it's, I don't know why I went off on that tangent. I just started thinking about the church as I was talking about being the pastor for teaching at Beachwood. And then we went on that tangent. So let me bring it back. I had a had a moment this week, me and my wife were with my entire family. That, that blessed thing that is family and mine is incredible. I mean, I, she, <laughs> For our parents to gather their four kids, all of our spouses, all the grandkids, and in, in one place, with no conflict, we don't have any kind of bitterness against each other. That there's just a really good vibe with us all. I know we're rare, and that I'm spoiled and blessed, and I felt that up there. But I was praying before bed with my wife, and it uh, it occurred to me. As we were up in Pigeon Forge, looking at these incredible mountains and an incredible cabin, that we're going to end the week down in Myrtle Beach with her family. And in a in a matter of four or five days for me, I will see both majestic mountains—not like the West Coast mountains, not like you know Colorado Great Rockies—but great mountains. Pigeon Forge's got some. That part of Tennessee has awesome mountain ranges. Within days of each other, I will see majestic mount, mountains and the immensement of and the immense nature or the, um, how immense the ocean is. It occurred to me how blessed I am that I will see within days what probably a plurality, probably not a majority, but a plurality of humanity that's all lived on this earth never saw either one. For up until about 250 years ago, most humans died within 30 miles of where they were born. That was... For most people, that was the fullness of travel in their life. They traveled 30 to 40 miles from where they were born, and they couldn't do anything else. So if you were natives here in the the Midwest, or you were in the Middle East, or lots of Europe, wherever you were born, you're never going to get to an ocean. You're never going to see how vast and incredible it is. You're never going to get to mountains. And that's how blessed I am that you are that within a week, we live in a life that you can see both, and it's not even all that hard, not even all that costly. That that led me down a road of where I want to start on looking back on 2022, a reflection of gratefulness. Happy people, the purpose of life isn't happiness, but if you want to pursue happiness, happy people, one of the things that marks them is gratefulness. They recognize That the status quo, the normal way of being, the normal state of humanity, is poverty, sickness, nothingness, chaos, that every single good thing takes a ton of effort. And so any good thing that happens, it blows us away. I consider myself a quite happy person. I think it's because I have that perspective. Entitled people are miserable that they think everything should be easy. They can't, they're they blown away when anything doesn't go well. They're miserable about it. So I was reflecting on just my part, uh, this part of life where in, in, within a week I go mountains to oceans and I get to do that, which a vast, uh, or at least a plurality of humans never got to see either one on the, on the planet. That's how, in context of, of history, of how much opulence and wealth and blessing I get to live in. And that just led me thinking back to to the year. Promise, I won't indulge myself too much here. But it was it was my best year. It's my, it's momentous for me. Engaged in February, which led to guys. I tell you, oh, one of the hardest things. One of the hardest things is the planning of a wedding and a uh, a reception, a honeymoon. It's it's a uh, it's something. She tells me often now. I told you like a, over a dozen times we should just elope, I'm, and we're both glad we didn't because it was a blessed wedding. Um, it was God-glorifying, it was awesome to do, but looking back on my year, of course it was momentous. Engaged in February, in the summer, sold a house at the top of the market before the interest rate started going up. Thank the Lord. I got to buy a house with the generosity of my big brother letting me <laughs> buy a house for less than it was worth uh, because the market's insane and it was but here I am now in a in my upstairs Studio, end quote. Prepping and recording this show for you in my incredible home. I got to put my feet in the Pacific Ocean for the first time this year out in California with the Southern Baptist Convention. Went back out of the country for the first time since I was 22 for a honeymoon in Mexico. After what is obviously my highlight of the year, November 4th, 2022, getting to take my bride in front of my most beloved people on the planet. And save, or not, not just say vows, but make a covenant before God. And man, it's been a, how long have I been married now? 55 days from what I'm talking to you? I think it's 55 days. They've been my favorite, my favorite 55 days. And now, you know, ending the year with just sweet time and family and getting to see cool stuff. I also look back over the year, not just personally, but in my own spiritual development. This is part of what we'll talk about today. You know, we over at Beachwood, we've been working through Revelation for a while now, and we're coming to our, towards the end. We we will probably finish the the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ in the next four or five Sundays, probably five Sundays, because I think it's a I think January has five Sundays. And by the way, I'll be preaching all of February the Sundays in February at Beachwood Church, Lord willing. Um, and so I'm going to be working through the Gospel of Mark. Anyway, one of the big themes this year is one of the themes of Revelation. Jesus is king. And we have to wrestle with what that means in lots of ways. So I've been wrestling with it all year of what's that mean in relation to civil governments that Jesus is king. But I I want to end the year with you here in this first segment thinking about the ways in which we don't declare Jesus as king in our own lives. My dad recently preached a sermon at Beechwood about the Magi. And here they come declaring him king. We sing in the the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, there's a line in there, something about king forever, reigning ever over us all to reign. It's good to reflect back on the year to to ask ourselves, in what ways, in what areas do I not let the king reign? That I am trying to keep him off of his throne of how I spend my money. Keep him off of the throne about what, decisions I make about my job off the throne about my attitude that I have at work or with my family off the throne of control just self-control whether that is your body or you regulate regulating your emotions not indulging every every passing whimsy of what you might want it's it's been a year for me where in in putting my face week to week is Jesus is king over all there's no one that in the end We'll test his authority, and it's good looking back over the year, to ask ourselves, where has that not been true, that in 2023 we want it to be true? In mythology, the the god, the, obviously fake god, the the god for, for which January is named is a two-faced god. It has has one, you can look this up, and Google it, there's an image. It's got one face looking to the left and one face looking to the right, it's the reason it was chosen as the, the new year month where, yes, you look back on what was, learn from it, dwell on it, and then just look forward. And people like me, we struggle with this. My natural inclination, for maybe for some of you, our natural inclination is to keep looking forward. We don't dwell on the past. We don't process the past. We just go, all right, well, that's over. Let's just go. We got we to move on. got to look at the next thing. For some of you, you are the opposite. And admittedly, those people to me always seem sadder. Your your face is always looked back to the left. You're looking back at what has happened, what you wish would have happened that didn't, or the world that you imagined that you didn't get to have. And instead of looking forward, to build what you can and see all the good blessing that is before you. What this time of year does is give this healthy position where we should do both i'm actually encouraging you do both look back over the year celebrate the good parts lament lament the bad parts dwell on those two see what you can learn but you gotta let those go as well you can't just look back you've got to then turn your head turn your face towards what's coming learning from the past and go for it so i opened the show just this way I think it's good for you to turn some stuff off, get quiet, and reflect on 2022. For me, it was momentous. It was blessed. It was incredible, and I am overwhelmed even with gratefulness for how incredible my life is, and knowing that it won't always be. I'm gonna. We are going to face all kinds of trial and travail as it comes. But with the joy of the Lord as our strength, we can just look at even the trial and be grateful for whatever the Lord is doing. So reflect on the year and then stop reflecting. Look forward and see what's coming next. Plan for what's coming next. Pray over what's coming next. And if I can just give you one encouragement for what's coming next. I love the new year for its clean break whatever habits that you wish you would have formed going into 2022 and they just never formed, well, you can form those. Whatever spiritual disciplines that you wish would have been inculcated in your own life in 2022, that's regular Bible reading, spending some certain time in prayer, making sure you're as part of many church things as you can. Stop just having six and seven hours a day of scrolling time on your phone, whatever it is, and, and replace that with good spiritual things. You, you can start hey, when you're listening to this, it's not even 2023 yet. You can start now. Get a head start on it. When we come back? I think I have three themes for the year. I know what most people do is they say, hey, you remember when Will Smith slapped that guy on stage? And do you remember when the queen died? And don't forget about that thing with student loan forgiveness. Like that's what most year in review shows do they look back on the events. I don't think I want to look at the events. I want to look at the themes. We have... I mean, I haven't quoted this in probably a year. One of the big themes of the Corey Act Show, small minds talk about people, medium minds talk about events, and big minds talk about ideas. Well, I want to talk about the ideas, the themes of the year and ideas, so we can continue to wrestle through those and how this might settle going forward. We'll do that and more when you come back for the rest of the Corey Act Show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcasts. Three, maybe four, idea themes for 2022 is what I have for you. As I look back on the year and the things I dwelt on most, and I think the zeitgeist of the moment, that these were the ideas that we most debated or ruminated on throughout 2022. I want to talk about what that tells us, and we're going to have to keep thinking about them because I don't think we've come to a lot of conclusions. We'll get started on those. In just a moment. Welcome back to the Corey Truax Show, right here on his radio talk and wherever you listen to podcasts. Find me if you would be so kind on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look for my weird name, Corey Truax. You can click the follow button or friend request button or whatever happens to be relevant on that social media site. You can also email the show at Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. One idea I have about the new year is better interview not better, actually doing interviews with some people. So if you come across a book, an author, someone you think should be talked to, that could be on his radio, that could also just be special podcast content, I'd love for you to pass those along. I like talking to interesting people, and interviews are a format that, for whatever reason, just bring bigger audiences. So if you have those types of people, send them my way. Let's start with this theme for the year. I think this was a year of anger. In 2020, I would have said it was anxiety for like looking back for, not for great reason it was a year filled with fear about covid and then it was an election year and you know how, you know how that happens here that just everybody tries to make you terrified of your of the other side your opponent 2021 almost feels like a lost year we were still not we a lot of people were still caught up in the the covid world and it was it, there there was some disorientation Uh, You know what's a better word? A reorientation, like a renovation, like a a post-COVID world, what's it look like? But when I look back on some of the Google Analytics for 2022, and I look back on some of the biggest stories, the things that caught our attention on social, we're a rageful people. So much so, as I was looking around for evidence of that, I came across... Uh, a New York Times article called The Year of Rage. So someone thought about this before me because he wrote this back on, or she, I don't know who wrote it, uh, December 17th. And man, they were thinking about a lot of the same stuff I was. My my origination point was reading several stories about how on TikTok and YouTube now, one of the most watched genres are temper tantrums from adults. You know, historically on Especially, especially on YouTube, your themes are things like people want to watch unboxing videos. People like, or at least kids like to watch unboxing videos. Or you'll go through, we went through trends of flash mobs. Th- these are the things that are popular. What's popular right now on TikTok and YouTube is if you find an adult screaming at a server at a, at a restaurant or someone losing their mind in a grocery store over some, some slight uh, or some road rage or something like that, If you can capture that and share it, you're going to get a lot of views that we are a people that are taking in a lot of rage content and that makes us a rageful people. I just think about even stuff... I I didn't think of this one. It was a story I read in the New York Times. Some of the social media posts about people trying to buy Taylor Swift tickets who couldn't get them because whatever happened there with Ticketmasters, all the bots trying to buy tickets. It was a theme... I think we can all even pick up with uh, well, the, the, the actual slap. I mentioned earlier the, the Will Smith and uh, Chris Rock, I think it was, thing at the beginning of the year almost was a marker uh, that we had been percolating for a couple years with all, everything everything that happened with COVID, and it came out in some high-anger ways to the point where we're actually even just consuming it as entertainment. That's an entire genre of entertainment now that people will call. You can Google it. It's called angertainment. Where two, there's two types of angertainment. One, you take in rageful outbursts from adults because you're entertained by rageful outbursts of adults. But angertainment also means the parts of the media that know if we cover this or if we tell these stories or put this person on, we can make people angry. I'll go to the news because it's somewhere something of where I live, but the the fact that left leaning news sources focus on Marjorie Taylor Greene, Donald Trump, and Lauren Boebert, is there's a reason for that. That's angertainment. They're not trying to make anyone smarter or better informed. They they talk about these Congress people. Those two women, at least. They are only two members out of 435. They're not particularly effective or influential. Even their social media followings aren't that much bigger than other people's. But they can cause anger. So you slap them on TV. And there's a reason right-leaning news outlets put Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders on your screen a lot. Because they cause anger, and it's angertainment. And we get addicted to it. There's There are good addictions I know that sounds like a weird idea, but like in uh, therapy settings, you'll talk about uh, we all. Every human has an addiction to food. We can argue whether or not that's true, but that's a good addiction because we need to be we need we need sustenance. But when we start creating these neuropaths in our brain, we want to we want we want those. There's a high that comes from feeling righteously anger, and so the theme of this year has just been how mad, how angry everybody is. I would even take it to sports media. If you just turn on ESPN for a day, I don't advise it, you'll get a lot of arguments that people in sports have, but it gets very angry even on ESPN. I had a spirited but good-natured debate at the gym here recently with a guy who really thinks Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't. And I had an answer for every one of his ar- – he actually only had one argument. But even the when he tried to – Uh, argue against mine. I was ready. These are good nature. These are fun. We have arguments about this all the time. Kobe versus LeBron, LeBron versus Michael. These debates are are a good time, but even on ESPN, it gets very angry. If you interact with the public, maybe you've noticed it, we've become a people where we access our anger a lot more easily than we used to. So if that's been a theme of the year, let's take that to the biblical worldview that we're supposed to have on this network, and on the show. I only have two words for it. One, don't add to it. The Bible has plenty to say about angry people. The counsel is, don't associate with them. Stay away from angry folks. Stay away from the temper, those with the temper. The Proverbs would tell us that those that operate in anger tend to lead to destruction in interpersonal relationships, in their own property, in their finances. Those that operate with anger, they are... They're they're leading to their own ruin. So one is don't do it. And can I ask you right now, ask yourself at least these two questions. Am I I an angry person? Do I have flash up in me, rile up in me, because of what I consume, or some of the people I work with, or I'm around regularly, I get angry. The anger's mad. And it's, it's worth starting to get deep on those questions, not to numb it, not to take a drink or smoke this thing or watch this so you can numb it, maybe not even medicate it. Instead, take the time to ask why. Why am I so angry? That's a, a rock some of you don't want to overturn because you know it requires some very heavy lifting. It's a big boulder, but it's worth doing. For us in a rage-filled time, that's not us. We We are not the people of anger. We're not the people of rage. We're the people of peace. But number two, not only do we not add to it, we need to contribute to a rage-filled word some good-natured peace. So let me encourage you, where you see rage come up in your workplace, in your house, as you parent, dealing inside the church, that your presence would be a calming one that your words would not rile people up. Not just not rile people up, but would build up others. You know, it's one of the tactics I use interpersonally, and I've used it at work, I've used it in, in, in like family and friends life. When someone is expressing something they're very angry about, they're giving me the situation, one of the things I like to say is, I, I, I get that, I understand why you're angry. It's, it's also important for me to know, as I counsel, as we work through this, to know the other side. One of the Proverbs says, the, the case always seems clear when you've heard one side, and then you hear the other side and things get complicated. So speaking words into the world that affirm good things. Like, just, guys, that that's a, you know how much, how much power there is in that? That when you recognize someone does a good job and you just say it, when you recognize someone's motive might have been good, but their execution was poor, that you'd at least say that out loud. So not only do we not add to the world of rage, but instead, instead be forces of, uh, of peace and be for, for, uh, forces of understanding. That's one. It's one big theme for the year I picked up is how angry we have been. I noticed this year as I go back through my notes, my show notes that I ne- like. I have show notes that I never use, like things that I write down every week or have up in my prep sheet. I just never get to it. And as, as I was looking back on those stories I never got to, I did notice a theme. That theme being the, from all corners of media, people started to notice how we're having an issue with American men. Here's how I started down this trail. The Gospel Coalition published a, st- a story. It's it's long, guys. It, it, and if you read it, it probably takes an hour. But it's called Gaming Alone. Let me just give you a little bit, maybe, maybe the opening three paragraphs from the Gospel, Gospel Coalition. Over the past year or so, the Washington Post has been running headlines like, the boys are not all right, and why aren't men going to college anymore? The New York Times wrote a story called The Crisis of Men and Boys, and most sources are simply just referring to the situation we're in as the boy crisis. This is now out of Gospel Coalition and back to me. This week even, the New York Times published another study called The Friendship Recession, how men between 20 and 60 are reporting having fewer friends and not having any method of making friends, so they're they're very isolated and alone. Let me give you at least two more paragraphs from the Gospel Coalition story. The statistics are genuinely alarming. It sounds like boys are all going to drop out of school, quit going to work, and spend the rest of their lives watching porn, doing drugs, and playing video games in their basements. In 1982, men and women attending college were attending college in equal numbers. Since then, women have outpaced men, not only in college enrollment, but in completion and graduate school. For every four boys in college, there are six girls. In grad schools, women are outpacing men in even traditionally male-heavy programs like law school and med school. So where are all the boys? And we could... Continue down this, uh, this this story. I don't want to read too much more of it. I told you about it recently, even over at North Greenville University where I work, in our highest achieving scholarship competition. it is It was 70% women. And when I say now all corners of media are picking it up, I mean that other corners of media have been doing it for a while. I've said for years, Joe Rogan is very popular. He's the most po- most most listened to podcast because he's playing the role of dad for a bunch of fatherless boys. Men in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and even though Rogan is in his 50s, I think he's playing that role for men in his 50s. He He has that persona, and men who never got to be around manliness, masculinity, and never have it modeled for them what it means to be a man. Rogan comes on and starts talking about UFC and fighting and then Uh, testosterone, and eating meat, and hunting, and doing all these manly things, and he plays that role. In a more subdued version, Jordan Peterson has come along, and has been talking about the problem with men diminishing in their achievement for years, and so, um, so there's been voices on, let's call it the right, that have been recognizing what's happening with a generation of men and boys, and finally, being drugged along now are the secularists and the leftists who are now recognizing it, where they felt like they weren't allowed to because now we're talking about boys and not talking about how important it is to bring up girls and, and especially in a secular progressive worldview, everything is a zero-sum game. So if you're talking about one group, it it specifically means you are neglecting the other. Where in my worldview, you can do more than, more things. You can do more than one thing at a time. Let me give you some more stats on this, and then not not just to depress, but Going forward, again, our theme here is what have we been talking about in 2022? This finally has bubbled up to the surface. When you start looking at some of the other numbers, marriage is delayed. Of course, I'm, <laughs> I'm an example. That means fathering kids are delayed. Men are less likely to do all the stuff they used to do. They're less likely to be in leadership positions and and their in their schools, civic organizations. Men are more isolated than they ever have been, spending more time online than they've ever been. There's one study showing men 20 to 30 are spending seven hours a day either playing video games on their phone or a device. When you start adding in the pornography problem, amongst especially men under tw- menies, men between 20 and 40, we definitely have a problem. Uh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and say it because it's correct. Healthy societies, healthy people groups need men. They need men to lead. I'm not sorry about that. They need men to lead their churches. They need men to to lead in business and government. They need men to provide for and protect their wives, provide for and protect their children. We are in part as depressed as we are, and high anxiety as we are as a people. Because men stopped fulfilling their duties. We told he who made humanity and gave us a design. Men lead. They provide. They protect. And guys, I know I'm now more male heavy than I used to be as a listenership. Guys, I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm actually telling you it's very, very hard. It's very hard to carry the burden. I'm going to call it that. It might be a joyous burden, but to carry the burden... Of you being responsible for a bunch of other people. That's heavy. It's hard. And it's the greatest adventure you'll ever go on. Here's what I'm telling you. Whatever dragon you're trying to slay in that video game, the bigger dragon is providing for your family. And when you slay it, ho, 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 ho. What a triumph that is. Yeah, we're all trying to use escapism in our movies and the stories we tell. I use football for this for escapism for triumph, for what it is to come through conflict and to come out on top. You know what's even more exhilarating? Conquering your own demons, your own bad habits. Conquering the sin that's in you through the power of the Holy Spirit and sanctification. I think I've said this a few times this year even. Can't remember who said it first. I'm almost positive it was a Jewish rabbi. And so that means they don't accept Jesus. And I, so take this with some grain of salt, grain of salt. There's wisdom in it. The first sin of man, of not humanity, but of maleness of males was indifference and inactivity. It was a failure to rise to the occasion. Here is the serpent coming to the woman and telling her lies. And while her first sin was usurping the authority placed over her and believing the lies and being deceived, the the picture we're given is the serpent did go to the weaker vessel and attack her, and her husband just stood there. And in his inactivity, in his ineffectiveness, the world fell apart. And is that not what we're seeing of the last 50 or 60 years? We, we could have just done the good parts of feminism and raised the profile of women, but we we tend to do this in secular progressive worlds. It can't just be raising up one group. We have to tear down the other. We have to make the other miserable. We have to tear down the, the virtues of the other. And we tore down manhood, and look what we did to this place. The The family fell apart, and when the family fell apart, because we, we told men they weren't necessary, everything else fell apart after it. So, man, I am telling you, this is hard, and I'm telling you, it's the greatest adventure you'll ever go on if you'll go after it. If you'll reorient, reorient your heart and your mind to conquering your life, and not the fantasies that we all live in. I'm not, a, guys. You guys that game and do the fantasy stuff, I'm not actually insulting you at all. I'm, mine is football. I'm right there with you. I just happen to watch a sport, and you guys do other stuff. It's very hard to do, and it's very much worth it. We need it. I'm just going to give you two two more words on this and we'll leave it be. Just two tips going into the new year men. One. One of the hardest things we have to overcome is our uh, desire not to have any kind of vulnerability. I know I've had to try to overcome that. It's hard work. We have been told in large part over the last, let's call it 100 years, men are use are are as useful as their utility to others. So as long as they are doing and providing, that that, that means that that's the core of their, their being. There's, there's some value in that. I just said that. But our core value is deeper than that. Of course, for Christians, it's found in Jesus. Actually, for all of humanity, it's found in Jesus, whether humanity recognizes it or not. But I am telling you this. If you will say that out loud to other men, if you will talk about what we don't like talking about. I hate talking about emotions. I think they're... Uh, like women are way better about it maybe some of you are ladies are way too in touch with your emotions maybe back off of them some and be objective but gentlemen yeah we, we need some vulnerability and if you'll do that with other men and and your wives that is helpful uh, and two activity this is another one where I don't do great I, I like isolation and being alone I'm being less and, less and less like that the last you know three months of my life but or I guess that's two months. But, but that's what we need together, men. We need to do activities together. I know we're isolated, but that's that. those two things, some vulnerability and just getting active, doing active things with other men will be helpful steps, healthy steps to take in 2022. When we return, I got a couple other themes from the year that are the debates we had, the ideas we interacted with, and I'm sure those ideas will go on to the new year as well. We'll do that and more when you come back for the rest of the Corey Act Show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcasts. the less than 15 minutes of broadcast time on the Corey Truax show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcast for 2022 and I want to make it quite productive for you welcome back to it I have two more themes for the year of uh, things we debated and talked through and then I, I want to finish just by going through the Google analytics for the year I love when Google does that they tell us hey you people here's what you've been using Google for this year and there's some interesting trends there so two themes thus far. It was a very angry year, so let us be people who put peace into the world and don't contribute to the anger. Two, we started recognizing the big problem we're having with men. We're allowed to say out loud now that we need men to be men, step up and play their role. There's nothing toxic about that. Two or three more themes for the year. One, we definitely continued our winsomeness versus confrontationalism debate inside Christianity. There is uh, a debate of a bunch of people who I believe are believers. We're going to spend eternity together but when it comes to interacting with the culture one of the huge themes of the year was how do we do that one of the i mean i spent an hour on two hours on it probably on dr beam's show his uh, the morning show here on his radio talk christian worldview where one guy wrote it all up that there there was a time where you could do winsomeness to try to win people over to your side with good-natured argument, uh, but we've entered a new time of confrontation, and people hate Christianity, so now it's time for confrontation. I think it's important for us to continue to work through that t- together. Of course, I tend to lean towards winsomeness. I want to win people over. I think the good phrase there is, I don't want to win the argument, I want to win the person. Now, granted, I love winning arguments, and historically, the non-36-year-old seem to be 37-year-old, Corey, just wanted to win the argument. I don't care about the person. So uh, let me just at least bring that back uh, up to us when it comes to our churches, how we interact online, how you talk to the unbeliever at your place of work. This is a discussion to have within yourselves and with other believers. Is our strategy, our best strategy, a, a winsomeness, or is it to be more confrontational and a little bit more prophetic and a little more saying, thus says the Lord, what you're doing here is wrong, it's sin. That's one big theme from the year. I think these last two are are actually um, uh, our subsets under that umbrella. So the umbrella is winsomeness versus confrontation. And now I have two subsets. One is in Christianity. You heard me. I bet. I mean, I do 52 shows a year. I bet 20 of them had me at least struggling with the concept of theonomy, and instituting God's law by... Governments on earth. Struggling through what it actually means to pursue what a Christian nation is. And whether or not it's it's for the Christian to pursue power to institute Christian things. Or is it the Christian does not really have concern for that. We try to win souls. And as the people change, the governments change. You heard me debating that all year long within myself. Just a couple weeks ago, I told you there's a new book out called... In, I think it's called In Defense. Or no, it was the case for Christian nationalism. It told you that's going to introduce a, a debate all year long. I'm even interested to see if there's, there's resolutions at the Southern Baptist Convention this June in New Orleans to try to put some parameters and some definitions to these terms. I think it's good to look back, and, but then also to continue to wrestle with it. Where do we stand? Are we actually pursuing being a Christian nation? I was watching a, a show here recently, uh, Ted Lasso on Apple+. Plus. There's some language content, but I, I recommend the show. It's, it's incredible how much it can make you laugh and then put you squarely in your emotions all within just moments of each other. It's a good show. It's only two seasons. I, mean, I hope there's a lot more of them to come. But there's a, several Nigerian characters. And anytime I hear about Nigeria, I think about that great stat that Presbyterians put out a while ago that, there are now more Presbyterians in Nigeria than there are in Scotland, and Scotland is where Presbyterianism started. That's how well the church is growing around the world. And then it maybe maybe start thinking about Christianity in Africa and re- remembering that at least Zambia, at least one country, has declared itself a Christian nation. That where there's less, there's a less allergic reaction in Africa to separation of church and state that there are nations there that just have very openly Christian leaders that declare themselves Christians, that don't always live it out. If you look at the politics of Zambia, I tell you, they don't live it out. But it, it, it's just another example that made me think, is that what we're looking for? Are we looking for a people so converted that they declare themselves a Christian nation? Or are we looking for the reality that if in our, heck, in our system, you don't even have to have a majority to get some stuff done sometimes. We're, we are so minority protected. We have a good system of government for that. Are we just looking to impose Christian law on folks, even those that bristle against it? Because you know, historically, for people like me, I say, no, you never impose. You never use government force. You never impose. You let voluntarism work. But I'm willing to be wrong. Am I supposed to be pursuing a totally voluntary government? Everyone does what they want, or am I supposed to be instituting, by law, Christianity? So we've been having that debate. We're going to continue to have it, and that leads me to the third big debate this year. It didn't happen inside Christianity necessarily, but it happened inside American conservatism. So let me say, I think of all the ideologies available to the American that the free market, limited government, conservatism, as it's called, is the one that most, doesn't fully, but most comports itself with Scripture. I am saying that, therefore, obviously, liberalism or libertarianism, even, are not as biblically compatible. I I could be argued with, some of you really want to argue with me right now about libertarianism being the more biblical system. I'm more than willing to hear those arguments Find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, Corey Truax is the name, or you can email the show at CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com. But inside conservatism, there is a new argument coming that is very much like that one about Christians. What are we doing with government? I recommend this to you. Over on the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro recently had a conversation with Vivek Ramaswamy. Both of these men historically have been libertarian esque conservatives, meaning we just want the government to do almost nothing. This is where I've leaned historically. I want to get power to not use it. I want to win elections so that we can, so no one makes anyone do anything. People can voluntarily do what they're supposed to, and then if when they don't do what they're supposed to, if it's criminal, the, you know, we have laws to punish criminals, and that's where, that's the government's job. The government's job is punish evil, reward good at the most minimalist possible, and let's do it most locally. Both men have thought that historically. Vivek Ramaswamy is indicative of a growing portion of conservatism that we're going to have to all talk about. I think I'd put Matt Walsh here, where there's a group of people now saying, okay, well, we tried that and we lost. We tried it throughout the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, They all, and the left won everything. And so people like me they they say to people like me, you sit there with your principles and you say you're not you're not ever going to violate your principles and you'll lose your country. Everything will fall apart. We're going to you know all the kids will get trans, not all, but we'll have we'll have a a, a country of depressed, confused, alienated people isolated to our technology and video games and meaninglessness. That's the world you're creating by not violating your principles. We're tired of losing, and so now we're going to do what we have to do to win. And we will use government. We will use its power to institute the things that we think are right. We will use the government to punish the things we think are wrong, because not doing that is destroying everything. Guys, we have that discussion to be had here soon. In in a primary season. And I I, I think there might be like a third way. That won't be necessarily a biblical way, but a, th- but a third way in practicality. The guy's like, uh, governor of Florida, his name is Ron DeSantis, that's it. He's talked about enforced neutrality. You know, I, I, I reject the idea of neutrality like we all should. There's no such thing as a neutral system. But the idea of using government to enforce neutrality. Nobody can teach their values. That government just stays out of the values war. And you, the individuals, work that out together, what the values of your country would be. But in that way, we do use government not to institute our values, but we use government to make sure that other values can't be imposed. I don't know if, how, that, how well that works, but I am telling you this. It defined the year in a lot of ways in conversation and philosophy, and it's going to continue to define us going forward. So it's worth working that out together and deciding where you stand. With that, I want to give you one more time, Corey Truax on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com if you want to talk about those. All right. Those are the big themes from the year. It was an angry year that we don't want to add to. Um, it was a – what were my other t- the other two? Now I'm uh, blank. Oh, yeah. The, our problem with men was recognized, and uh, we're trying to figure out, what do we use government for? And should we be confrontational or nice as we do it? Those are the big themes from the year, and we're going to continue talking about those in the new year. To Google, here's what was trending in 2022. The number one search of the year was Wordle. Now listen, I play Wordle every day. I like Wordle. If if this means, though, people are Googling the Wordle answer, then we are a country of cheaters, and all hope might be lost. I'm just kidding. Hope is not lost. But if you're, I don't Google Wordle. I have it bookmarked in my phone so I can go every day and just go to Wordle and start working it out. But if you, I'm actually now curious if the Corey Triak Show listenership ever Googles the answer. If your streak gets broken, your streak gets broken. My streak was broken this year several times. It just happens sometimes, all right? Let it happen. That was the number one go- most Googled thing. And then I want to give you these in succession. The number two most Googled thing of the whole year was India versus England. That was a soccer match. And then if you go over to sports, the most, the top five most googled things was not the Super Bowl, not the World Series, not the NBA Finals. These are the top five: India versus England, India versus South Africa, India versus West Indies, India versus Australia, India versus Sri Lanka. All more googled than the Super Bowl. What that should tell us about this year, I think this was the year India overtook China as the most populous country. Both countries now have have over a billion people, telling us that this century we're in the twenty. What are we in now? It's 2020, so let's call this the aughts, the going into 2100. This century very well might be the Asian century, where even the American systems we've built, like Google, uh, it's being used by the rest of the world. There's not nearly enough Americans to out-Google the Indians in the love of their soccer team, or what i would sure is called the football team in India. Most Googled people, I can't believe this, the number one Googled person was Johnny Depp. There was enough people interested in that stupid trial with Amber Heard. She was number three, by the way, most Googled. And then Will Smith was two. So your number one, two, three was divorced from his celebrity wife, Johnny Depp. Will Smith, who slapped a grown man on stage and is obviously in an emotional meltdown. And Amber Heard, the woman who is divorcing her celebrity husband. Number four was Vladimir Putin. The guy invading countries is less Googled than those uh, athletes. Wow. Uh, Let's do at least two more. Uh, in Just news stories, the most Googled news stories, people specifically going to look for information about these three things. Number one was Ukraine. Number two was the passing of Queen Elizabeth. It makes me happy what number three is. Number three is election results. Telling me that Americans maybe have a little more perspective than I think they did about how important election results are. They're important. They are. But war in Ukraine and even the, the, the passing of an era uh, with Queen Elizabeth, outranking election results... Makes me a little bit more encouraged for our people group. And then on movies, Thor, Love and Thunder was the most Googled movie. I saw it. thought it was, I thought it was funny. I think I saw it. Yeah, I, I saw that with my new brother-in-law, Skip. We saw that together. Number two was Black Adam, which I didn't see and will not see. Uh, the, the Batman was there. Encanto, still sh- uh, showing up on that list as well. Final one, Google, huh, this tells us something about 2022. Google did an entire section for shortages. And so we Googled diesel shortages, baby formula shortages, tampon shortages, Adderall shortages, and sriracha? Yeah, that's how you pronounce that? Some kind of condiment, I think, is what sriracha is. That's, man, a thing for 2020, 2022, the year of want. And in a year <laughs> where we still live opulent, incredible lives, uh, we were Googling shortages. And, man, that's just an issue of management from the top levels of decisions we made that made everything worse. And for us to even have in this most opulent time, a section on Google just for the things we Googled for shortages tells you something about the way in which we are being managed. It's been another good year for The Corey Truax Show. I'm grateful for all of you who give me time every week for those that give to the show. Thank you. I'm hopeful to provide more helpful content in the new year. I'll be back with another new edition of The Corey Truax Show next week. Happy New Year from all of us at his radio talk. Until next time, peace and love.